What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 366th of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ. And with me this lovely morning is Bobby. Hey, uh, Pokemon Go Fest Dortmund just ended, and I'm sad because all the spawns are now skitty again. Oh, I thought it was going to go to midnight. No, it ended, unfortunately. Well, good thing I saw like five male Nidoran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were sparse. Rochelle is also here. Alola, I'm here. I'm mildly disappointed that on the last episode you didn't point out that there's now exactly enough numbered episodes for you to listen to one episode every day of the year. Oh, so. whoa. Wow, what a mark. So we're going to end this episode now. Go back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> so Rochelle and Bobby are here, and we have a cool, very lighthearted news week to talk about. Although I suspect that sometime this week we're probably going to get news regarding Pokemon Worlds. I'm sure there's going to be TCG and VGC news regarding that, and tickets are going to go on sale, and I'm sure we'll get something. But we got a couple news articles, which is really uh, which is the gist of this show. We're going to do some news. We have our question of the week. Oh, we don't have Pokemon of the week. We'll figure it out after the break. I just realized <laughs> this. That we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> we'll make it work. Do we even have last week's answer or no? Oh, we don't. I'll text Will. He'll be awake. I'll get it. I'll get it <laughs> after the break. Uh, we are going to start off with some Pokemon Go news because I actually do have some questions now that Dorthmund ended. Yeah. So the first bit of Pokemon Go news here is off PokemonGoLive.com, July 4th, a very weird day to announce news for for at least the U.S. I'm sure the rest of the world treats July 4th as a normal day, but I'm not expecting news on July 4th normally. Businesses yeah, are closed. <laughs> Harness the power of armored Mewtwo. Trainers, Mewtwo returns with a new look. For a limited time, you can encounter the Psychic-type Pokemon in 5-star raids. Armored Mewtwo will be available from July 10th to July 31st. This is the first time in Pokemon Go Armored Mewtwo will be available. If you consider yourself a Mewtwo trainer, you can show off your power and aesthetics for some stylish new clothing coming to the style shop. And there was this very short... Uh, 21 second trailer, uh, with Mewtwo, uh, Armored Mewtwo showing up in Pokemon Go. We kinda knew about this because Charles, the famous Pokemon Go data miner, <laughs> uh, found... Famous. <laughs> well, I think the main Pokemon Go data miner, I don't think there's another one. Yeah, pretty much. They found this a couple months ago. Uh, and this is really no surprise, as in they are remaking the first Mewtwo movie, in, and it's coming out in Japan in like a week. This is hap- I think it, I think it debuts in Japan July fourteenth. It is a Mewtwo Strikes Back evolution. We've known about the movie for a while, so this kind of makes complete sense. It is funny that they didn't mention it that the that it has to do with the movie on in the um the English tweet. Because or the English article, Twitter article, um, because in the Japanese one, they specifically say it has to do with the upcoming Mewtwo Strikes Back movie. 
Well, I mean, in the Japanese one, I think they also don't go, look, Mewtwo has some really cool armor, guys. Let's pay attention. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I don't, do we have as much news about the movie in English as they do in Japan? Like, is it as much on people's radar even? Uh, they haven't started promoting it yet. Yeah, so it makes sense they wouldn't be like, oh, by the way, there's a movie. You don't get to know anything about the movie, but here's a Mewtwo. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. But then it just leads to you get people speculating like, oh, this means something. And it, and it's it's like, no, clearly it, it means this. Like, it's because of this. It doesn't mean that Mewtwo is in the next games. It doesn't mean that Mewtwo is, you know, there's a reason for it. And I feel like people start speculating what that is when if you actually follow Pokemon outside of Pokemon Go, you'd realize immediately why it's mm -hmm. in the game. Not, uh, not classic Niantic, but classic Niantic. <laughs> they word it in a way for the first time in Pokemon Go, Armored Mewtwo will be available. Well, I would assume, <laughs> safe to assume, when we get the movie, which may be October, November is usually when we do have our Pokemon movie. Um, but this could be longer or this could be sooner or, or, or later. I would assume that Mewtwo would come back again because... The whole reason it exists is because of this movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, right, I would hope yeah. so. <laughs> I, they've made stranger decisions before. Yes. So. I will say, if they bring back Armored Mewtwo a second time before Shiny Mewtwo, people will be very, very angry. I won't care, but I know a lot of people will be very angry. I think people are real, still real jaded about no Shiny Rayquaza yet, right? Yeah, people are. And now... We've had, um, because now we had Kyogre and then Groudon is here until the 10th. I like and this. And I think people were thinking, oh, well, of course it'll be Shiny Rayquaza next. Now they get an armored Mewtwo instead. <laughs> I like this long con that Niantic's pulling. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of pulling, I heard, so maybe you guys can help me here, that when I was at Pokemon Go Fest in, in Chicago, that whole weekend flew by. I had plenty of horsey spawns in Chicago. I did see some rumblings that people were saying that they were not getting horsey spawns outside for that whole weekend. And I wasn't sure how to chalk that up because I didn't see a lot of people saying they didn't get a lot of horsey spawns. But I, I, I mean, I usually get nine, eight, eight to nine spawns in my house. I didn't really go out um, this past weekend. I went out to like one or two stores. But I, when I did go out and in my house... All three, four days. I saw maybe like one to two Nidoran a day. Uh, was it just a lot lower or was did everyone also get like bad horsey spawns outside of the Chicago area? I think that so there's a bit of a difference because, you know, last year with the summer events, GoFest and then the two Safari Zones, um, they had Plusle and Minin and then they also had uh, Roselia and something else um there was that psyduck event there was a psyduck event but that wasn't in conjunction with the safari oh, wingle zone. wingle wingle that's right wingle so when those spawns happened there were a lot of all of those for that time period for the two days or whatever that you know they were at go fest but this year for one go fest was four days and two they also made a lot more spawns of other potential shiny pokemon there weren't as many horsey for sure as like there were plus and mine in last year. 
Um, but I would say there was even less Nidoran than there were Horsey. I don't know if they're just changing it up because they added other spawns that are sh- potentially shiny or if because the research was available this time around or what, but there were much less Nidoran than there were Horsey and there were much less Horsey than there were spawns from last year. I can anecdotally confirm I have seen neither of those Pokemon in about 10,000 years. So. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, when I was in Chicago and like the whole city was lit up with l- lures, l- lures, it just like you saw just so many Pokemon. And because I was kind of home this weekend, but there was a Pokemon Go Fest, it just didn't feel it didn't feel like the Go Fest weekends of last year. Maybe because they were no. shorter and they've like forced those spawns. Maybe it was a holiday weekend. I don't know. Also, and you were at GoFest, I guess, but there, I don't know if it was a, a, if it was an accident or what the deal was, but the shiny rate of like six or seven different Pokemon was really high outside of GoFest um, a couple weeks ago. So. Like Geodude, oh, the first hour where it was like broken. Sableye. It was like the first two days where you just pop online and everyone was getting shinies. I mean, I got two Geodudes in like 30 minutes, two shiny Geodudes in like 30 minutes. And it just, I don't know if it was an accident or something, but this time around that did not happen. Definitely didn't happen. Um, there were still more spawns of, of some stuff that could be shiny, like Drowsy and Grimer. But I don't think they had any increased rate or shiny rate. I don't know. I guess we'll see Yokohama. We'll see. We got some TCG news. This is uh, this is actually a TCG card ruling. Very important that we talk about it. These, these <laughs> very, very important. I'm going to try to make this simple for you guys. This is a very, very important card ruling in the Pokemon TCG. We got the official ruling. It's from a Japanese website, so there's a couple tweets I put together here to translate it. First of all, there's a Pikachu card. Uh, Well, there's a lot of Pikachu cards. This Pikachu, I'm not 100% sure what set it's from. It's an older Pikachu card, but remember, besides standard format, there's expanded, and then there's, like, legacy. So uh, there are formats where all the Pokemon cards are kind of available, but for one colorless energy, any energy you want, Pikachu's attack is hello! And it... The... (laughs) Effect of the attack is greet your opponent, then each player will draw a card. So there is, to get a little off topic, there is a, a birthday Pikachu card got, that got banned because uh, the attack would do like 60 more damage if, you, if it was your birthday. So people would, bring, wow. people would bring this Pikachu card and then do the attack and say, well, it's my birthday, so it does more no. damage. And so the judges couldn't verify if it was or was not people's birthdays. It's like, I'm oh, going to need you to pull out your driver's license. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So they, they had to ban that card. But this uh, attack is both opponents, both people have to greet each other and then draw a card. Oh, my gosh. Now, there's a different card. This is where the ruling gets a little weird. It's a Marowak card. Uh, and it has an ability, and that ability is called Bodyguard. So it prevents all effects of attacks done to you and your opponent's Pokemon uh, when it's in play. 
And so the official ruling is if you have Bodyguard Marowak in play and your opponent uses Pikachu's Hello Attack, you do not have to greet them back. It is officially... <laughs> Uh, this is the official ruling. You do not have okay. to say hello back because okay. bodyguard is in play. Okay, but this is a win for all introverts everywhere. Just like the Pokemon company officially saying, you do not have to greet another human being. <laughs> a very important ruling. <laughs> wow, that is... This I was gonna say before this that the TCG is overwhelming to me, and uh, this is just another sign. This is that's amazing. <laughs> Glad Look. we finally got the ruling. These cards aren't even <laughs> new; they're they're a couple years old. But official ruling for that. Some other news here. We have a couple like non Pokemon related news, but I think they all kind they all do affect Pokemon in a way. So. This is one of our two non-Pokemon related news, but it is important. This is off Nintendo Life. Samantha Robertson leaves Nintendo Treehouse to move to a new role at Nintendo. Now, if you don't know who Samantha Robinson is, she has pretty much been on every single E3 Treehouse or any just Treehouse related video content that involves playing games and talking to the people who make the games. She's usually the one that fam famously wears like a leather jacket <laughs> on on stream. <laughs> she has left Nintendo Treehouse. She's worked for Treehouse for eight years. She will be moving to the manager of product marketing and publisher manager of product for marketing, the publisher and developer relations department of Nintendo of America. So she's moving up. Well, good I'm for so her. Proud. Do not know if we'll see her at Treehouse stuff, uh, but oddly enough, they posted for a new like Treehouse position, and they're uh, <laughs> recommending that you be bilingual in Japanese. Good for her. We'll yeah, miss that's awesome. her. But yeah. <laughs> I'm glad she's moving up in the world. Soon she'll take over the whole company, and... She'll be the and... next Re Doug Bowser, I guess. Here's to hoping. <laughs> uh, this is off uh, Geek Tyrant. New Pokemon figures are coming to Japan. <laughs> Who would have guessed? <laughs> Pokemon is getting a new line of figures called Pokemon Scale World in Japan. The new figures will be 120th of scale. Uh, not all Pokemon will be released at the start. Uh, in addition to some of the first generation Pokemon, it looks like the line will include uh, trainers as well. The first batch of humans are Blue, Green, Red, and Professor Oak. Uh, according to the official description, you will need six of the ten boxes to complete a set. Wait, what? Uh, uh, you will need 60% of the boxes to complete <laughs> the set? <laughs> um, so they like sell boxes and not all the boxes have all the Pokemon, but there are ten different boxes. That have like a variety, like this box might have red and blue, this box might have blue and green. I see. This gotcha. box might have red, blue, and green. So you don't have to buy every single box set to get all the Pokemon and trainers available. That I makes mean, sense. You don't have to if you don't want that amazing street cred of having the <laughs> complete collection. It's true. Because <laughs> why would you even open the boxes? 
Exactly. Now you just yep. have six tenths of an unopened box collection. <laughs> and like, honestly, is that even worth it? Not at all. Not at all. I don't see Joltik in this picture, but in the description they say Joltik is 0.5 centimeters big. I was literally just thinking about this, doing math in my head as you were talking. Like, what about the tiniest Pokemon? Because the, Joltik is four inches. I was literally thinking about this because I have a life-size Joltik plush. One twentieth of four inches is like four four twentieths of an inch. That's like a fifth of an inch. That's tiny. You're yeah, I'd lose, lose that, that in a heartbeat. Oh, Your absolutely. cat's gonna eat that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need like a Find My Joltik app <laughs> so you can find it after you lose it. Oh my gosh! Here I was thinking they would just do like people and larger Pokemon, but no, they're going all in. <laughs> for maybe the first time ever on the show, we're gonna talk politics for a hot second. Oh my what? gosh! So strap in. Oh, man. I, w I, w I would not bring a political article if it didn't affect Pokemon directly. Al is so bummed he's not here. Al, Al would die. <laughs> I'm sure. uh, does Al care about U.S. politics? Al uh, Cal yes, tweets the, about him a lot. No, trust me. Trust but me. More so, yeah, more so From UK, the amount but... of politics talk I have to cut out of our <laughs> podcast, the answer is yes. All right. I don't know how uh, I don't know how versed you guys are in politics here, but this this article is on a lot of different gaming sites. I pulled it from Polygon uh, just because I feel like it's the most simple, straightforward. Hopefully, we don't get in the weeds by reporting on this. But the title is Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony will say that Trump's tariffs on China will hurt the video game industry. There's a lot happening here. I'll just read the article and we'll go through it. So if you don't know, here's your one bit of political news that will affect video game stuff. The world's leading video game console manufacturers issued a statement against Donald Trump proposing a 25% tariff on consoles manufactured in China. Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony says the cost will ultimately be passed on to American consumers. That proposal would put a risk for jobs for more than... 220,000 Americans, including hundreds of small businesses. Issue is soon to be finalized, a list of goods imported from China with tariffs that the Trump administration has tasked the American trade representatives with creating. If, the video, ga if, if video game consoles are added to the list, they would cost the major console manufacturers 25% more to import overnight. So if a... We do some math real quick. So if a PS4 Pro is $400, that means overnight, if this law gets passed, a PS4 Pro will go up to $500. Whatever a Switch is, the Switch is $300. I don't know what 25% of that is. $75. almost four, four, $375, almost $400. It's a significant increase. Uh, so there's a seven-page document. That if you really care, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but show notes in your podcast app to the Polygon article, which has the seven page document. The craziest thing is at the top of this document, there's it's it literally has Microsoft's logo, Nintendo's logo and Sony's logo. They worked get together to make a document to send to the Trump administration uh, asking not to in 
not to pretty much not to have this tariff happen. The the letter goes on to state that if the tariff on consoles would be put in place, it would significantly disrupt uh, our company's business and significantly increase the cost uh, that would depress the sales of video game consoles and games and services that drive profitability and the market segment. The true costs, an estimated $840 million, uh, would be shifted almost entirely to consumers. Uh, the end result would likely, quote, put a new video game console out of reach for many American families this holiday season, end quote. The deadline for formal rebuttals to the proposal was on June 24th. No final deadline has been offered from the administration on to when the proposed tariffs will be finalized. Yeah, so this is similar to, I mean, you'd, we'd heard about this for other devices as well not specifically video games but iphones you mm -hmm. know samsung galaxies or i don't know if samsung's actually created in china but um other phones and things like that uh where they were saying you know they thought there would be a 25 percent increase that would go to the consumers but i think what would end up happening is either that would be a short-term um higher cost because I think what would happen is these companies will probably try to get their manufacturing or some of it out of China. I don't think they they want to raise costs for all the consumers. So I think that they would do what they can to at least move some of it away from China so that they're not getting hit with tariffs on everything. I mean, but the problem with that is that that takes a long time. It takes a long time to move manufacturing, to find a new plant, to find new people, to find new supply routes, to find new suppliers for parts like and in that meantime, you're going to get people who give up on it. Like, if something becomes prohibitively expensive, you just don't bother with it anymore. I can tell you from experience, because for a good chunk of my life, like, the reason I never played an Xbox or a PlayStation is because it was prohibitively expensive. And I literally, at this point, don't even consider those consoles anymore, even though I could afford them now, because... I never could, and so it never occurs to me anymore. And you'll get people like that who are just like, well, I would have bought a Switch, but I couldn't afford it, so I guess I'll never have a Nintendo system for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. No, I I do. I don't think it's a, it's a good thing at all. Um, if nothing else, I guess it helps Google Stadia. Oh, because, yeah. Uh, Stadia. <laughs> people will turn to that. <laughs> turn to that instead. <laughs> someone will benefit, I yeah, guess. Right. Um, no, I but think I mean... Yeah, it's a terrible decision. I, I, they, yeah. To match our an exciting theme from last week, we should consider when we make decisions the actual impacts it will have and where the impacts will be. Agreed. What a time to be alive that Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft are writing letters together to the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> what i don't think if it was serious they they would have done this right like they all are in agreement like this hurts the three of them equally yeah absolutely and yeah if it does happen overnight like this is uh i wouldn't say this is the most important holiday for like video games uh i mean like the really the only thing nintendo has going for it this this holiday is pokemon sword and shield uh, they have nothing for 3ds luigi's uh, mario makers are already out and obviously that will probably continue doing very well throughout the most most of the year luigi's mansion is coming out i think in september and while like mario and luigi are really popular like i don't 
think that's like going to be a huge, huge, huge Christmas seller, especially compared to the Goliath that is Pokemon. But they don't have like any Zeldas. They don't have like a main Mario. They don't have Animal Crossing this Christmas. So like Pokemon is the really the only thing they have for the holiday, unless they're secretly holding something they didn't show at E3. I doubt that. <laughs> Sony didn't even show up to E3 this year, so they don't they don't got much. <laughs> <laughs> and Microsoft didn't really I don't think Microsoft had any big hitters for E3. I mean like you're still going to get like your Call of Duties um and whatever other you know, third There's party some exciting farming games coming up <laughs> that people are anticipating. Yeah, you're going to get your yearly November third party games uh but with mm-hmm. Xbox Scarlet and PS5 supposedly coming out next holiday uh ideally this is where you'll probably see a lot of price drops and a lot of bundles for those two consoles this holiday you're mm-hmm. gonna get like oh right. three games and a 50 dollars off of ps4 pro because this is the last holiday for it but if this goes in effect who even knows if that's going to be good or bad oh i mean like, good or bad in the sense of, like, are we actually going to have these bundles this holiday if this goes into effect? or if Are they going to go no bundles because we're trying to cut our losses right. here? Like, Or they will go bundles, but it'll just be the same price as it is right now. It'll be bundles, 25% off. Oh, unquote. it's still, still $400. So that's just some, <laughs> some news for those that don't follow politics. I I don't follow a whole lot of politics, but obviously that one affects switches and game consoles, and we happen to talk about a very popular g- video game every single week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we got through that pretty pretty safe. I think we did. We did a good job. All right, good. Yeah. The, only the best reporting on this show. <laughs> we are A+. Plus, the finest reporters. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we have i think about two more news articles and then we have our uh question of the week and then our pokemon of the week so we will be right back hey uh what do you guys think about pumpkin spice pumpkin spice pumpkin spice pumpkin spice pumpkin spice frosted flakes pumpkin spice pumpkin spice mini weed Pumpkin slice and pumpkin spice, 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 pumpkin from our break, uh, first thing I, before I forget, we are doing, uh, we, I am starting an egg lock on Twitch, uh, this Friday. I do stream on Twitch every day, twitch.tv slash pkmncast, but we're doing an egg lock in X and Y. So by the time this podcast goes up, it's Monday. If you stop in the Twitch streams and you want to contribute an egg in X and Y, you have till Wednesday to do so. Uh, I do. I won't know what's in the eggs when I hatch them. So if you want to make me a uh, Iggly buff or a Beedoof or a Bronzor, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you have till Wednesday the tenth to do it and submit it to the two my two two of the people helping me with that that are gathering the eggs. But if you want to watch, it'll be Friday 
at 6 p.m. Central Time on Twitch, and then we'll be doing the egg lock pretty much until we we beat it. So Friday's the start. Just a heads up if you need something to watch this weekend. I don't think there's anything Pokemon happening this weekend. <laughs> this upcoming weekend. How many of those eggs are going to be basculine? They have it set, so uh, you can't do a duplicate. So every when you when you, uh, you other people can look at what has been submitted. I can't. Ah, uh, gotcha. I'm not sure what's what's there. Uh, we have a couple more news articles. First, this is from our attic channel, from Will in our attic channel, washing the sink, providing some good news here. Pokeball Easy Cards go on sale uh, in Taiwan today. This is off tai- TaiwanNews.com. <laughs> if you join in the Pokemon Go craze, Taipei Easy Card Corporation has teamed up with Niantic to offer limited edition Pokeball-themed electronic stored value cards starting today. Pokemon trainers will be thrilled to learn that the Easy Card is releasing the first batch of Pokeball Easy Cards at 10 a.m. today. The 3D Pokeballs, which trainers will use to capture and train Pokemon, will function as standard easy cards and come with a handy strap and a and will flash a green light when uh, a successful transaction is made. The first batch of Pokeballs is limited to 3,000 and will sell for uh, 350 NT. Let me tell you, as somebody who's been in Taiwan, NT is the most confusing currency ever. Uh, but that converts to $11 USD uh, with a limit of four. So you can only buy four of these. First batch can be pre-ordered today. We'll be able to pick up July 31st. A second wave will be limited to 11000 And you can purchase those between July 3rd and July 17th. You will be able to pick them up on September 25th. You can pre-order at 7-Eleven, Family Marts, uh, and online shopping sites like P-Chrome, According to Easy Card Shops, uh, if you don't know what Easy Card is, it is an e smart card system that is used to pay for Taipei MRT sub, so which that means the subways, the buses, other pub- other public transportations. It can also be used at convenience stores, department stores, supermarkets, taxis, and other retailers to make payments. It's basically the fanciest gift card you could yeah, possibly seriously. give to yeah. somebody. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I've been to Taiwan, and I hated every minute of it. <laughs> wow. But would you have hated it if you had a Pokeball you could use to pay for things um, with? I probably would have hated it less, yes. Uh, but so, still hated there it. There you go. Uh, so this is actually a really old article here that I, I guess got buried. It was from uh, June 18th. Uh, it's off metro.co.uk. It's an interview with Masuda, uh, which that would have been, what, June 15th? Would have been a day or two after... This would have been around the time E3. They probably just published it late because... Uh, well, then I wonder uh, what could have buried that. Yeah. I'm not- <laughs> I'm, it's a real mystery. Like, there's nothing, like, really big or controversial or anything that's happened in the Pokemon world recently. So, like, I don't know. It's very strange. This is awesome because we've had, uh, there's the Pokemon.com interview with Masuda. There was the, was it Game Informer? No, not Game Informer. <laughs> I can't remember what the big interview was with all the, that we read through. It was so long ago now, even though it was only like four weeks ago. <laughs> it was a million years ago. <laughs> but the usually we only pull one interview and talk about it because most of the questions are exactly the same. 
That was Famitsu, right? Oh, yeah. Famitsu had one. Yeah. yeah. Famitsu had one, too. Uh, this has some different questions, so we're going to go through this. Uh, so Game Central is is who are asking these questions when we say uh, when I say GC. Um, and again, this is off metro.co.uk. Spoiler, we're going to talk about Pokemon Snap in a hot second. This is the real news that everyone's been waiting for this entire episode. That's right. They Absolutely. came for the politics. They stayed for the snap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> GC, you are potentially making a dream game of every Pokemon fan here. Oh boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, for this article's ye- dated? <laughs> for years, people have been asking for an open-world po- open game with modern home console graphics. Was that something you were aware of when you were deciding the game? <laughs> <laughs> Masuda and uh, Amori here. They both laugh. Amori yep. says, Glad we all I'm, have the same reaction to that question. Yeah, I'm exactly. definitely happy to be able to finally deliver what I think Pokemon fans have been waiting on. After X and Y and Pokemon Sun and Moon, we are now continuing the main series with a new generation of Pokemon. And we're able to do it on console this time. So I'm very excited to finally be able to deliver that experience. The most vague general yeah. answer he could possibly give. GCS, it must be difficult to cater to both legacy fans and new players. Which I actually think is worded really well, because I wouldn't say mm-hmm. just because you've been playing for 20 years doesn't make you, like, a hardcore player, yeah. right? There's right. a difference between someone who played when they were a kid and dropped out for 10 years and came back and is now kind of into it, and somebody who is very aggressive about being into every aspect of the series. How much, t- how much of your time is spent thinking about what older fans will want versus worrying about accessible accessibility, particularly with younger kids. Omori says, we always try to make the game for a, for as broad of an audience as possible. And I think we are able to do that by having a lot of features that you encounter up front. We make sure we explain it all very thoroughly, introduce the players to the world, teach them the basics. Even if they're still a new player, we teach them how to throw a poke. Even if they're, Still a new player. We teach them how to throw a Pokeball, catch the Pokemon, and all those basics to make sure they get the gameplay. And then, on more of a back-end things, we have having a unique battle system and a lot of depth on how to train and raise your Pokemon to really satisfy fans that have been with us the entire time. We want to make it as broad as possible, but also go in depth to a certain extent. Um, I actually want to stop here because I have a, a, a pretty... Not a unique experience, but you guys have probably heard of Temtem. And if you haven't, I'll explain anyways for our audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm assuming you both haven't heard of Temtem? I have not, no. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about, Steve. Yeah. Could okay. you please yeah. explain sure. it to me? So Temtem <laughs> is a, was a Kickstarter. Well, do I have to explain Kickstarter now? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. No, I think we all got Kickstarter. Okay. Uh, so Temtem was Kickstarted back in uh, May of 2018. Uh, they raised a half a million dollars, 11,000 people backed it, and it is a, I'll read their Kickstarter description, it is a massively multiplayer creature collecting adventure, and if you were to look at maybe a little bit of gameplay, you would see a character running around in a world, and that world has tall grass, and if you run into the tall grass, you encounter, you encounter a creature uh, and you can throw a card at it to catch it, and then you can have a team of six of these creatures, 
<laughs> and you can battle one-on-one or 2v2. And you go to dojos around the Temtem world. And you have a professor that gives you three starting Temtems. And you have a mom that says farewell to you on your journey. And then you have a rival who wants to also be the very best. Does this sound like a game that huh. we talk it's about? a little familiar. Okay. Huh. <laughs> and if you go to their website, they go, we like Pokemon, so we made this game. <laughs> oh, wow. I played Temtem. It's in, it's in alpha right now. So if you're a Kickstarter... Oh, actually, wow. It, it is in alpha. It is actually very playable. It looks very good. Uh, you can only purchase it through, like, their website, and it goes through the disc... Discord has games now, uh, but it launches through Discord. I think their actual release is 2020. Anyways, I'm not here to sell anyone on Temtem. There, <laughs> stuff like this is not new. Right, you have games like Monster Hunter that exist, and then you have games that are very similar and that are obviously inspired by Monster Hunter, like Dauntless. But I played Temtem, uh, and I went in it with a you know open mind. And the first thing I realized, as somebody who has played plays Pokemon every day, mostly because it's my job now, <laughs> is how intimidating the battle system is. And I say that because Temtem's battle system is exactly like Pokemon. You have weaknesses and resistances. They have, they have Pokemon has, I think, 18, 19 types. Temtem has like 12. It has their fire, your water. They don't call it grass. They call it nature. They have electric. They don't call it ground. It's called earth. Mental, wind, mm-hmm. digital, mealy, crystal, toxic. So they have these types. What is digital? I'm not sure. <laughs> huh. okay. uh, Porygon. Is digital. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Porygon would be digital. Um, so the the hardest thing for me to do going through this game is I don't know what types these creatures are. And even if I figure out what type it is, I don't know what they're weak to. Like, water is weak to toxic. But that's not how Pokemon works. But it makes sense that water is weak to toxic because tox- like oil floats on water. And mm. there's like that separation. So, like, not the types aren't one to one in that sense of oh, well, mental would be strong against toxic. I actually don't think mental is strong against toxic. It's not, but there's like this type chart, and I had somebody in chat link me the type chart, and I was like, okay, well, like, I don't want to like these are beginning battles, right? I'm level five. I don't want to like <laughs> sit in a beginning battle. Maybe this just speaks to me as a person, but I was trying to like go in with an open mind of. Okay, what if this was what if this was Pokemon and what if I was playing this for the first time? Um, and I think a lot of us as Pokemon players kind of forget that we've grown up with the series, so we just know that Charizard is fire flying. Mm-hmm. We just know that Pikachu is electric and we know that electric Pokemon are weak to Onyx because we watched the anime. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sitting there and I'm like I'm looking at this green bear and I have no clue what type it is. It doesn't tell you what type it is. So I could just imagine somebody looking at a Pika Peck going, I'm assuming that's flying, right? Because it has wings. And it's like, okay, well, I'm assuming it's neutral. I'm. Ass- it looks like, I don't know, it looks like a sentient, I guess, because it's basic and it's a bear and it's on the first route, so I'm assuming it's neutral. 
I was like, okay, I'm assuming neutral's probably weak to melee, because that would probably be the fighting. Okay, it's not in this game, by the way. <laughs> but I was like, even if it is weak to melee, I don't know which of my moves... Like, I, 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 do I have that move? Do I not have that? It's... I, I think just a lot of... You you hear that a lot with Sudden Moon, that it's very hand-holdy. But I, like, but- I have a huge appreciation for that now, because not that, like, I needed the game to be hand-holdy, because it is, like, very beginner stuff, and it's like, it doesn't matter what move I use, I'm gonna knock out this Temtem in two hits anyways. Man, looking at a type chart at the beginning of a new game, to be like, okay, this is most effective, it sucks. Like, it is not what I would want to do as a new player to a game to be like, all right, learn all of this stuff. I mean, eventually, I think there's like 150 Temtems in the, when the game is supposed to release. Not that that was based off anything, but... <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. And eventually you learn it, but we have, eight as of this recording, 809 registered Pokemon in the Pokedex. <laughs> and I was already, do- like, felt... Uh, like overwhelmed with being like okay learn 150 new creatures and 12 new types this is exactly why i actually get really irritated with people who complain about pokemon having like really long handholdy tutorials or like having the dumb pokemon school every single time that says and fire is weak to water because like it's such a given, but like I can tell you, like even I've been playing Pokemon my whole life. I've literally never not played Pokemon. I would think I'm kind of pretty good at it, but even as somebody who's like not battle oriented, I'm not competitive oriented. I still have to play with a type chart up, chart type chart up on my computer all the time because like just the system and it has so many factors and there's so many Pokemon and so many variables and it's incredibly overwhelming and like i don't think i could comprehend it if i was a 10 year old nowadays like i would probably be crying and throw it away and go back to playing something on my phone like that's an incredible challenge for them to try and figure out how to how to be able to ease people into that very complex system that they can't just dismantle and start over because everyone else who's been playing for 20 years would riot and so yeah it's a little irritating that you have to be reminded how to throw a pokeball but some poor 10 year old is out there like what there's balls involved like (laughs) (laughs) there's also uh when i got to the first town and the old man there was like let me give you a tour of this town (laughs) (laughs) and then at the end of the tour here's a map there was a school, and in the school, it was like, did you know that fire temtems are weak to water? Did you know that water temtems are weak to nature? <laughs> uh, or whatever the, whatever the yeah. triangle in that game was. Right, right. It was funny, too, because when I was playing it, somebody in chat was like, I hope that this really uh, gives Pokemon a run for their money. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, it just goes back to the, like, the single thing of Pokemon is more than just that, that yearly video game or buy, mm-hmm. like, even if this was a better, quote unquote, you know, Pokemon video game, they're still making 
there's still the Pokemon trading card game. There's still the Pokemon anime. There's still millions of millions of million dollars of Pokemon merch getting moved every like month. <laughs> yeah. There, there's also 23 years of Pokemon. Right. Right. And I mean, people all the time, people go back and play the older Pokemon games. Right. So it's not even like just that new one every year, but you have, I mean, I just went and bought white too. Right? Like people constantly buy older Pokemon games to play them. So even if one game, you know, does really well against Pokemon, it's like you have 23 years that you're battling against. 23 years and 23 years of fandom and people speculating and making up decisions about things like how Lieutenant Surge is eight feet tall and like, (laughs) (laughs) and like, but like, that's actually another like important thing to consider that like, there's an entire ecosystem of Pokemon that's put out by Game Freak and the Pokemon Company. And then there's an entire circle around that that is the fandom and millions of people who invest a lot of time and effort and do things like write fan fiction and draw fan art and talk to each other about these things that, like, you can't really. I mean, you can make something great and they can make a really good game, but it's not going to hold a candle to the mass of interest that has built up over so long. I, I mean, I would definitely encourage people to seek out Temtem if you're interested in something um, uh, pokemon E. I mean, te- it's not like Temtem was hidden under a rock. Like, it's they've been out there trying to, you know, promote their game, and their Kickstarter did pretty well. But I also do a Monster Hunter podcast, and so a lot of comments around the time of monster hunter world was are you going to play dauntless are you going to try dauntless 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 and dauntless like the the people who worked on dauntless like actively said they loved monster hunter right like they they didn't make Mm -hmm. it a secret like they are making a monster hunter game called dauntless and they love monster hunter um and dauntless is very similar to monster hunter uh go figure (laughs) Uh, but it does do things differently. Um, I would say, like, the biggest thing is, like, a Monster Hunter fight is maybe 30 to 35 minutes if you're solo or maybe you're not as good as, like, you know, the top 1%. And a Dauntless fight is closer to, like, 15 minutes. Um, and that definitely scratches an inch, a different itch, right? But it still, it scratches a different itch in, like, okay, I just want something a little bit simpler. And not simple is not bad. Um, I want something a little bit simpler and a little bit quicker. Uh, and so Dauntless exists for that and it does do things differently, of course. And, but I don't, I don't think Dauntless is like some monster hunter killer, but I, I think it's fine that they both exist. Uh, and I, I don't, I'm sure Temtem wasn't the first Pokemon like game besides like fan made games that just like reuse Pokemon assets. I don't really count those, but, um, and I don't really count like Digimon or Yokai Watch because those are not even close to Pokemon games at all mm-hmm. in my eyes. Mm-hmm. The one thing that Temtem does, I don't think Temtem's different enough personally. But the one thing that they they did state and that I noticed in the game is there's you can never miss an attack and there's no critical hits. So they took out quote unquote the randomness mm-hmm. of battling to make it more uh, strategic or whatever. 
where it's like, oh, the reason you lost this battle is because you used a 90% accuracy move and it just you just happened to miss and that's the whole reason you lost. So they took out the randomness to make battles more, I don't know, strategic, fair, less reliant on luck, I suppose. All right, back to this interview. Uh, GCS, uh, this is obviously an important milestone for the franchise, but how radical a change were you will- willing to consider for Sword and Shield? I'm sure plenty of fans have suggested having everything open world like in Skyrim or having things like real-time combat instead of turn-based, which is something Square Enix has done for their Final Fantasy VII remake. They're not necessarily good ideals, but are they possibilities that came up? Omori said, Of course, in the conceptual phase, we think a lot more about possibly radical changes we want to try out, but a lot of them are just ideals that we end up not incorporating. But we are inspired by the current gaming environment and games that modern players enjoy. A long time ago, for example, it was traditional to have a camera down at 2D gameplay with a much more fixed movement. But now 3D games are the norm and being able to freely move around the camera is something that people are used to. And we're able to incorporate that more. So really it just comes back to what Pokemon fans are looking forward to and trying. For example, real-time combat. We've thought about that before, but we just keep coming back, at least for these games, to turn-based uh system that is what fans of pokemon enjoy more which is that's like the 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 most you've ever said that you've thought about real-time combat (laughs) yeah right i you know the camera the camera answer that he always seems to give or that's always given or has been like since they showed the wild area um it's really interesting to me because it's been such a long time that we've had people being able to move the camera around and the way that they talk about it makes it sound like it's like something that just popped up in the last couple of years and it's not like it's been that concept has been around for a very long time and obviously pokemon games haven't taken that on uh, or main series pokemon games haven't taken that on but that the answer just seems so dated when he says it i I always go back to persona 5 as like a turn-based, very popular and very successful and very modern RPG. I, can you move the camera in Persona Five? I don't remember because anytime mm, I like, no. anytime they talk about games, I I know it's very easy to be like, well, in in Breath of the Wild or in Mario sixty four, you can move the camera, but those aren't turn-based video games. So like, I kind of throw those out the window when I when he mentions stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I just meant, aside from the turn-based thing, just that that idea of a game where you can move the camera around is just not something that is that new. And even though he mentions that, he says, like, this is how people are playing these games, but it's just something that people have been doing for, you know, 15 years. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because I play a lot of games with set cameras. Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Littlewood. <laughs> basically. Oh, no. It's actually very exciting. Sometimes you get games where you can't control the camera, but you can control how much you zoom in and out. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say in Temtem, you cannot move the camera. <sighs> Behind the times, Temtem. Behind the times, Temtem. Come on, Temtem. You're not even, um, you got time, you're still an alpha. Get that camera in there. <laughs> I mean, and I know there are a lot of other games, and this game has not anywhere near Pokemon, but just the idea of 
a game that went from very much 2D, like over the top camera to 3D, move the camera around all you want is Grand Theft Auto. And going from like Grand Theft Auto 2 to Grand Theft Auto 3, which Grand Theft Auto 3 came out in like, what do I want to say? 2002, 3 maybe. And, you know, that is what, 16 years ago? And again, it's not Pokemon by any means, but they did that same thing. They went from like a 2D overtop camera view to the move the camera around. So when I see someone say, you know, people are playing the games these ways, like nowadays, it's like, well, yeah, but also for like the last 16 years. <laughs> right. I think, I think I interpreted it a little bit more as like, almost like there's been sort of a critical mass in just games in general of a slight tipping more towards being able to control the camera mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh, look at this new thing. Yeah. Like, it's we more invented of like, it. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys right. ever heard of this amazing thing called an adjustable camera? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that. And I think um, because everyone just brings up the Breath of the Wild comparison, myself included, um, I think that has been very huge as well um and you know i i don't think i'm and i'm happy for it and i don't think that that answer really could be given in a different way that would be like that would satisfy me it's just funny to hear him say Mm -hmm. it in a way that sounds like it's only been a couple of years that this has been (laughs) a thing just like you know Back when we uh, gave you Sun and Moon, you said, this looks great. I wish I could move the camera. And we thought, you know, we'd never thought of that before. Let's try yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 150 people that work there, no one suggested this. <laughs> GC says, I've been looking at reactions online and everyone seems very keen, except there's a concern that the new feature that gets added to Pokemon each time whether they're received or not, they seem to disappear for the next iteration for no obvious reason. This is a good question. Is Dynamax something that's going to stick around forever? Mm. Omari says, at Game Freak, it really comes from our desire to surprise the players with new gameplay. Not to do the same exact thing every time, but to have a new twist on something. That keeps people surprised and enjoying the new style of gameplay. A.K.A. Dynamax will not be around forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I would be disappointed if it disappointed if it was though. Cause like I mean, in the same way that like I appreciate having multiple different games in a genre because you get a greater diversity of experience. I kinda like just having a gimmick in each region and it makes it feel kind of special, like, oh, this is that weird thing they do in Alola, you know what I mean? And being able to move on and try something different. And sure, maybe the next thing is great. Maybe it sucks. Who knows? But just having the variety in it as opposed to doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over and uh, over. Like rotation battles kept coming back. I'd probably quit Pokemon (laughs) forever. I (laughs) guarantee you I would (laughs) cry and throw my switch if I had to play another rotation battle like yeah. Even seriously. triple battles were just like one step too many. <laughs> Agreed. But and I agree with um Rochelle in in the like specifically Z moves, that whole not just the move itself, but if you look at the whole lore behind it, it's so connected to Alola mm-hmm. and the way that their culture works, and it would just seem a little odd outside of Alola. 
It would be incredibly odd right? outside yeah. of a low And so it's okay with me that like Z moves don't move forward because that is what Alola is about. And that's so specific to that region. And I think, and that's okay. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think it needs to move forward because people want Z moves still. Um, the mega evolutions, I think, are a little bit different because people see a different looking creature and think, ooh, that's different. I want to see that going forward. Um, yeah, it's easy to connect to, like, saying, like, my favorite Pokemon is Mega Gengar, as right. opposed to, yeah. like, my favorite Z-move is pikachu <laughs> z and I always yeah. want to use my pikachu ninium chewium z going forward. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of the difference there, though, is that, like, that kind of comes down to a difference of of something that's lore-based and something that's mechanics-based, mm-hmm. because, like... The whole appeal of Z moves is that they're so steeped in the lore of Alola that they're like intricately connected to the story of that game. Right. And whereas like Megas is like, this is a cool mechanic. It just kind of happens wherever it happens. It doesn't matter where you are. It's not attached. Like we got it in Kalos, but it's not like emotionally attached to that region. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, you got Sky Battles is. You got to keep yeah, yeah. the Sky Battles. Everyone's- Everyone's favorite. Well, and not only with the Dynamax thing not moving forward, I could see that because this is kind of goes into a little bit of lore as well with how the Galar region is is set up, right? Because the Galar mm-hmm. region is set up with these giant stadiums that are for Pokemon to Dynamax. That the whole point mm-hmm. of these giant stadiums is that the Pokemon are going to Dynamax and there's going to be room for it. And I wouldn't like going forward if they wanted to make a Pokemon game where it's like smaller villages that have small little gyms and don't have these giant stadiums i don't want them to have to put these out of place giant stadiums in the game because they're going to dynamax at some point you don't want to have to force them to animate when you destroy the building (laughs) 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 if a feature has been removed things like verse seeker battle frontier and so on is there a chance they might come back in the future even if it's not for this one Omori says, I think if by bring it back, it would have to be, it would be a surprise in itself or be a new take on the formula. I think you might see things like that happen. For example, in these games, the bike is back, which was gone for a while. In Sun and Moon, you could ride on the back of certain Pokemon to get around, but we felt that the wild area was so large and we wanted to look at what would be the best to let players get around smoothly without too much trouble. So we brought the bike back, but we added a little change. We added... We also changed it a little bit, so now you can go seamlessly over water, and we added new things to make it feel like a surprise again. I will say he he's right. The amount of people that freaked out that the bike could then go on water was like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like everyone lost their mind when the bike all of a sudden like went on water. So like I know that's kind of like avoiding the question for Verse Seeker and Battle Frontier, but like he's <laughs> he's right. People got I excited mean, for the bike again. To to be fair, if I had a bike that could travel over water, I'd be psyched too. Like, <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I disagree a little bit with like him saying the wild area is so big and so something like a bike is needed. Like if nothing else, Zelda has showed us for years that horses are the way to get through. Yes. Very okay, a wild okay, area. Okay. 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 But if I can make a suggestion... You Dynamax a Yamper, okay. and you put a saddle on it. I like this. <laughs> yes. And you just ride a Yamper around. How's right. this? 
Perfect. You just have a fishing pole with a tennis ball in the front of it. Uh Uh-huh. And then he chases it. (laughs) Yeah. Hire me, game freak. Yep. That's the perfect idea. Is the game based on UK in general or just England? Oh, we should have Al here. I'm... Can't, I can't remember the difference between what UK is in then England and the UK Whoa. is like three. Okay, so country. England is England <laughs> All right. and the UK is England and Scotland and Northern Ireland okay. and et cetera. Got it. And Wales, right? Yes, and Wales. Thank you. I knew I was missing one. Okay, so all the whales in the ocean belong to the UK. <laughs> yes. I understand. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I think it's, is that why Whalelord is in this game? <laughs> I think it's fair to probably. I think it's probably fair to say it's inspired by the UK, as of course, uh, well, it's not one to one. But I've been to the United Kingdom before, and it left a deep uh, impression on me. The feeling of the power of nature, for example, and a lot of the old legends from the United Kingdom and the stories that inspire us for these games. I've been to the UK before, and I can tell you exactly what impressions it left on me. Good. There's a lot of sheep. Okay, a lot of sheep. <laughs> There's so many sheep. Uh, GC says, uh, that's one of the things I was going to ask. Is there a specific mythology or na- supernatural characters that you've incorporated in the game? I don't know what else we've really got besides Nessie. Uh, they both laugh. Omori says, one specific example is the, legends, the legend of giants. GC interrupts and says, Brutus and those legends? And Omori says, yeah, so some of the really ancient pit- pictographics on the hill, pictographic, graphic key? Mm-hmm. Pic- pictographs? pictographs? Pictographs, probably. Or pictographics. The English and wealth legends about the tale of giants. And he then goes on to say, uh, partially based on Dynamax and other elements in the game. It's weird. This interview is weird because like, they're literally interrupting each other. And they, like, incorporated that into the text. And there's a lot of uh, parentheses, laughs, close parentheses in this interview. As someone who used to transcribe things for money, like, ugh, someone just got real way too into the details here. Uh, Masuda then chimes in, every game and even in a single game, there's lots of different methods we use to design different Pokemon. They all come from a lot of different places, but one of the approaches we focused on this time around was not having our digital artists come up with new visual designs at first and then figuring out what to do them with them. Instead, we had the game design uh instead we had some of the game designers, even if they aren't artistically inclined, they would come up with a setting or an idea and then be paired with an artist and then work together like a team to come up with a wide variety of new Pokemon. So that was kind of the new approach we took this time around. Are there any specific examples you can give? Omori says, one example is Wooloo, the sheep Pokemon. And one of the reasons for that is because there are a lot of sheep in the UK. Parentheses, t- laughs, close parentheses. <laughs> but, but aside... no idea. But aside from uh, that, the designer came up with a lot of settings that they wanted to use the characters and then work with the artists to come up with more ideas. Teamwork? Yeah, it's, that's kind of a cool, cool concept. Yeah, because it turns out not just your artists have ideas. Other people have ideas. I'm proud of them. Uh, Teamwork. There's a lot of <laughs> laughing and joking about the queen. We're going to move on from that. 
GC says, we're joking here, but it must be very difficult with common animals uh, that you've already used as inspiration two or three times before to come up with anything new. Is that why there's been a drift towards more humanoid-looking Pokemon in recent games? Uh, is there more is there? humanoid Pokemon? Maybe the Ultra Beast? I mean, they're all on, like, two like, legs. Turtonator? Like... Yeah, I don't... I'm not... I don't understand what humanoid Pokemon they're talking about, especially specifically to Alola. They pretty much say, uh, or Masuda says, we're not constantly making, we're not con- consciously making more bipedal or human-looking Pokemon, but there could be some kind of subconscious thing leading us in that order to have more original characters in that direction. It's hard to say. Sounds like he's not. as confused as we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, GC says, if I could end with two quick requests... One of which I think you get a lot of, one I'm sure you don't. Firstly, I can't believe it's 2019 and there still isn't a Pokemon Snap 2. Laughs. There is. (laughs) It's called Pokemon Go. (laughs) I like how they just laugh and then uh, they have to like rephrase the question. You had a (laughs) Wii U gamepad and now you have Nintendo Labo VR, which has an actual physical camera. Why is there not a Pokemon Snap 2? I pre-ordered it right now if you agree to make it. Again, more laughs. Masuda, all I can say is that I don't think we can just make the same thing again. So we have to come up with a very unique twist on this if we were to do another one. Uh... I've always wanted a Pokemon Snap 2 and I think it'd be great, but... Being able to go outside in the real world and take pictures of Pokemon now kind of takes away from it a little bit. Yeah. Not that they couldn't do the same thing twice. I think that they could. They could. Uh. (laughs) It's easy to point to be like, well, Pokemon Snap 2 doesn't really, or sorry, Pokemon Stadium 2 doesn't really do anything super different than Pokemon Stadium 1. I think that's very easy to say, but also like that was a very different time in video games. Exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of people think they would be content to play Pokemon Snap 2 and it's just the same story over again, but I think they'd get it and find that they're like, oh wait, this is not, the- I've played this for a thousand hours, I need a new twist on this, give me give me the different off, give me Temtem Snap, like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I loved Pokemon Snap. I bought it the night it came out. I think I beat it the night it came out. I think it was like a <laughs> it's a very quick game. Yeah, um, it, there's only sixty three Pokemon in it. I think it. Yeah, I think speedrunners so, have beaten that game in like twenty minutes or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like it only took a few hours for me to beat it um, the first time I sat down with it. But I mean, it, it would be cool. I, I could see something, and especially if they like wanted to incorporate. I don't know how well Labo is doing, but if they wanted to incorporate that somehow into it, that could be kind of cool. But um, I just think Pokemon Go is Pokemon Snap 2. So Here's what would happen. They would make Pokemon Snap 2, and then they wouldn't have all the Pokemon in it, and then someone would throw a hissy fit. And... <laughs> <laughs> so I don't true. think I don't think the fan base is emotionally ready for Pokemon Snap 2 right now. So... <laughs> And if they did include all the Pokemon, they would complain that the models were the same from X and Y, just upscaled. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if they, they included all the Pokemon, there would be way bigger issues with some other Pokemon games coming out. 
Can we please have a chance to wear trousers in this game? There's not many Britons that want to be wandering around in shorts all day, but you never have them to buy at the shops. It's always just shorts. Everyone laughs. GC says, just say yes. Everyone continues laughing. Omori says, there are lots of clothing options in this game. And JC goes, I know. Every every time I go to a new shop, I think this one will have trousers, but it never does. Omori Omori laughs. Well, in Sun and Moon, it was a very hot climate. JC goes, that's why I'm pointing out this should be different. Everyone laughs. This is the singular greatest interview exchange I think I've ever heard. Yeah. (laughs) Look, the dude just wants some pants. You you blame him? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was a good interview. I'm actually really bummed that it got kind of glossed over these last four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for interviewing us on the Pokemon podcast. (laughs) Uh, G... G whatever. Game Central, I think it was. Yeah, Game Central. GC. Thanks for interviewing us, GC. (laughs) Game Central, yes. All right. Hopefully next they interviewed the developers of Temtem. (laughs) Question of the week, since Greg's not here, Bobby, that is uh, your introduction. It's time, it's time, it's time for the question of the week. Give Greg a run for his money. Do what I can. It's beautiful. Pat from our Slack community and the Attic channel, with the undoubted success of Pokemon Go as well as shiny hunting boom we've seen, can you see Niantic introducing a shiny charm to Pokemon Go? I think they could introduce it as an item to be unlocked or an item to be purchased. I think uh, they could program a way to increase the shiny odds in a specific game when you get the charm. If they have a shiny charm... Unless they do it as like a Pokemon Go Fest event item or something where you have to be at Go Fest to be able to get one and then no one else gets one. Then everyone gets one. And then everyone has the same shiny odds again anyway. And it doesn't make a difference. That's true. I think that, yeah, I think that if they did add it, like it would need to be something that would be a lot tougher to get. Mm -hmm. Um, So for one, I would... I hate it so much if they made it something you could just buy because that is, I mean, I know that shinies in Pokemon go are different than shinies in like the main series, but that is so against like, what do you mean? They're mm-hmm. different. H- how you get, no, no. I mean like the, um, they're different in the sense of how they're like marketed. Oh, like, Pokemon go makes it, you know, an event is an event because a new shiny is being released versus in like the main series. It's, you know, a little bit more rare and not really spoken of as much, I guess a little bit different in let's go, but, um, but like paying for a shiny charm would just be the worst because Mm -hmm. when you think about it in like the main series, you put a lot of work in to get that shiny charm, you know, like completing the Pokedex and everything. And the idea to just pay for it and you just have better shiny odds. I, I would dislike that a lot. Um, but also I think it'd be kind of cool if you could, if they did something where maybe like if you complete the Kanto Pokedex, your odds are a little bit better. Um, like a like an incremental, like every Pokedex you complete, every regional Pokedex you complete, you up your chances by just that much. Like yeah, exactly. That would be interesting. I think that would be kind of cool. I think that they sort of need to release a lot more shinies in the game though before they would do anything like that. 
I was going to say, we know, according to the Sulf Road, with the data they've gathered, that a shiny Pokemon in Pokemon Go, without any events or anything special, is 1 in 450. Sometimes, though, right? Aren't there some Pokemon that actually have a lower, a higher shiny rate? Yeah, like, I think Pineco like, is, has, like, 1 in 80 or something. 1 in 80, because it doesn't spawn as much. But, like, I think yeah. the, the thing that w- is not talked about a lot... And I don't know, will probably not happen for several years. Who knows? Is what happens when all the Pokemon are shiny? Are they still going to keep it at one in four fifty? Because right now, if there if there is an event like uh, this past weekend with Dorth Month, where they're spawning Spoinks and and Drowsy and a bunch of other Pokemon that can be shiny, you're probably more likely going to get a shiny just because everything you tap on has the possibility of being shiny. Um, whereas like now if I open my game and I see, well, there's eight Pokemon in my house, four are C dot and three are B doof and one is a giraffe rig. None of those Pokemon can be shiny. I have a 0% chance of getting one in my house right now, but eventually all of them will be shiny. So do they keep the rate at 450 or do they increase it? Because I'm, this is hard to explain, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You have you just have a greater chance of finding shiny if everything can be shiny and you can tap on everything. I mean, there are probably plenty of people that don't even bother tapping on C dot anymore because or Barboach because bar like because they can't be shiny. So like, why tap on them if you already have a thousand Barboach candy and you're not interested in a thousand and three Barboach candy? Right, and this is there's two things to that. So one, I think it's not so much what can be shiny and how easy is it going to be to just click on stuff that can be shiny because in like the main series if you take take the main series and it's one in 4096 without charm uh odds and then you have pokemon go it's one in 450 but i mean how many more pokemon can you see in the main series in like a 10 minute increment than you can see in pokemon go right like even if you're in an even if you're at santa monica pier once you've hit all those spawns, you got to wait 30 minutes before you're going to see another set of spawns, right? So even if it is one in 450, I mean, the amount of Pokemon you can see at one time is still limited in Pokemon Go compared yeah. to what you can do um, like in the main series or something. I don't know that the rate would need to be changed, especially because they've shown us that, you know, with something like Community Day where it's like one in 25 I mean, they want people getting these shinies. You know, they want people collecting them. Well, so, they want people to go out and buy the lures and buy the incense and buy the lucky eggs. And if you're walking, but, you get to get those incubators too. Like, But there's right. less motivation to do that if everything's shiny and also you have a shiny charm. So everything's more likely to be shiny. You're going to spend less time out hunting shinies. Right. Well, that's why I think that they're not going to give us a lot, like all of the shinies anytime soon. You know, yeah. I think they're going to keep drip feeding them to us because, you know, the moment they do that, that well, I was saying earlier is like their whole event marketing is based around shiny Pokemon. So the moment that everything is shiny is the moment that they've lost that entire strategy for, I mean, I guess they could still have specific ones spawn more often, but the idea of a new shiny is coming. I mean, I, I was up at 1am when Nidoran started spawning because of GoFest Dortmund on Thursday. And I went out 
and I looked around for like an hour to look for Nidoran to try I to used get a to shiny do that, Nidoran. Yeah. So like, and I haven't done that in a while, but it was like, I didn't have work on Friday or I didn't have work on whatever the next day was. And it was a new shiny that I could maybe get in go. So I was like, why not? You know? And if all of them are in the game, then you're not going to have that ability to be like, this new one's coming out, you know, everybody go get it. So I think it'll be a long time before everything's introduced. And I think that they shouldn't add a shiny charm until a lot more shinies are actually in go. It would make the most sense for the shiny charm to be like, you have the shiny charm when you completed the Pokedex. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sure that they will always have with the amount of like IRL events they're doing now with like the go and making like, if you had, even if you couldn't go to a go fest in like Chicago, um, it is still pretty. I shouldn't say pretty easy, but it's still, mm, mm, it is still not the hardest thing in the world to find somebody in America that has like a Torkoal or uh, a Volbeat or something that is, you know, available not in America, right? Because the nature of just people who travel, right? Like, even if you don't ever leave your state, uh, the likelihood of somebody coming to your... Like, as long as you... As long as you're semi-social in a game that is meant for you to get out of the house, <laughs> you will probably eventually find somebody that has a Pokemon that you are missing. And even if not, like, they did do that event where the 7k eggs were hatching Kangaskans and Mr. Mimes and stuff. Yep. So they have, tr like, pretty much r in the last three years, happy third three years of Pokemon Go, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. They have eventually given people the opportunity to get everything up to this point. And I say eventually because, like, Pokemon Go is is a game that rewards patience like, right now, I have seen and hatched one Gibble. Gibble is very, very sought after. But that was, like, the same thing about Dratini two, three years ago. Like, Dratini right. was the thing people wanted. It was the 10k hatch that people were striving for and getting very upset when Eevee was in 10k eggs. Like, people wanted Dr Dratini. Now, when I see a Dratini, I don't even click on it because I just don't care. There's just everywhere. And even two years ago, that was, um, that was Bagon. Like, people wanted Bagon, and then they had a Bagon community day, and now... So, it'll eventually be Gibble. Everyone will, everyone wants Gibble now, but in a year, Gibble will be a thing of the past, and people will want that dino. I guess part of the reason I'm not super into the idea of a shiny charm is because I feel very similarly about shinies as I do about that. Like, yeah... You'll eventually get a shiny. Yeah. It's fine. You don't really need to increase your odds. But I also know I'm not a very aggressive Pokemon Go shiny hunter. So I am clearly biased in that direction. See, I'd rather almost they not do a shiny charm, but um, do like chaining odds. Like, um, like chain mm -hmm. fishing or like Pokemon uh, Let's Go. How you, you know. It's because yeah. they have nests all over, so it would make it more fun to go to a nest and, 
you know, be clicking on a bunch of, you know, be clicking on a bunch of Caterpie over and over again in hopes to lower the odds after 30 or something or whatever the number they pick is. So I'd rather have a way to actually shiny hunt than um, like a shiny charm. And that would actually probably be much better for business than you're going and buying a lure to put on your stop at Starbucks and sitting at Starbucks for three hours and yeah, chaining yep. Caterpie and they'd make more money and Starbucks would make more money. And that would probably be a significantly better business decision, too. Yeah, I right. think you're right. I didn't even think about that. Because if you were just to earn or unlock a shiny charm, then you have that set forever. It's probably the same reason why they don't give us two unlimited incubators. They would l just mm -hmm. lose out money. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, even Absolutely. though, it, even if that, if, even if that second unlimited incubator was 20 bucks, I mean, people have always said they only buy one, like they will never buy incubators, but sometimes you, sometimes there's boxes where they give you that, those incubators. Like right now, there's a really great deal on an adventure box. And then you, you, you use the incubators because you only wanted the raid passes and then you go, man, what if, <laughs> what if I always had incubators? <laughs> And then you hatch eight Mantike, and you're like, oh, this is why I don't buy incubators. <laughs> yeah, I hatched about 55 7K eggs during this weekend, trying to get a shiny Sanchu or Vulpix, um, Alolan Sanchu or Vulpix, and hatched nothing but non-shiny baby Pokemon and Meowths. On the bright side, you're well on your way to creating your Meowth Sanctuary. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The thing I've always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Our Pokemon of the week. I don't remember the clues and uh, we won't do a riddle for you next week. You'll have to wait for Will to get back because he spends a lot of time writing that kind of stuff. But insert what Will's clues would have been here. And then that Pokemon is electric. Electric. Is it? I was, <laughs> is it? Electric or is it electric? Like, <laughs> e I can anyone say electric without like slowing down? Electric. Yeah. You got to do the. You got to do the. I I know. It's hard. It's hard to say. <laughs> you got to really. You got to really lean into the. Yeah. yeah you really do. Uh, some trivia <laughs> here. Electric and its evolution rel <laughs> relatives are the only Pokemon with no weakness. Electric is the only uh, member of the evolutionary line that learns moves by leveling up. It is the only Pokemon in the second stage of a three-stage evolutionary line to have this distinction. Electric is the only Pokemon to evolve with a Thunderstone that was not introduced in Gen 1. It, uh, Electric has a very good shiny, too. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Uh, mm -hmm. It's much... I feel like not... I feel like it's always forgotten about. Poor dude. <laughs> not much about it, though. You know, these Gen 5 Pokemon don't have a lot of trivia. They have an age... Will's been, Will's been big on the Gen 5 Pokemon lately. He does. He does like the Gen 5. He does. I mean, Gen 5's pretty great. Maybe mildly underrated. I am playing through White 2 right now, and I'm enjoying it a lot, actually. It has uh, Eliza. She's a real good gym leader. She might be the best gym leader at Gen 5, honestly. Oh. Mm. 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 All right. <laughs> what is it, Rochelle? 
Who is it? I I don't know if you recall, but we did a whole episode of ranking gym leaders and picking them to be an elite four. Wasn't that that was the the episode with uh, that you did with um, Irene? Mm-hmm. Irene, and Brittany. Irene and Brittany. And Brittany. Yeah. We did It's Sister Effective. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a great episode. Well, that is our episode for today. We're all done. We did it. We made it through. Hopefully <laughs> you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back next week, of course. We got a, we got a growing subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash super effective. It'll be in the show notes as well. If you want to head over there, twitch.tv slash pkmncast if you want to watch some twitch stuff i have completed the entire unova pokedex i have now on my way to completing the national decks in unova because black and white 2 were the first two games to get the shiny charm on my way for that bobby where can people find you i'm on twitter at pkmn snaps and Instagram, pkmn.snaps. Rochelle, where can they find you and listen to your voice some more? Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at Miss Delaney. Delaney has two L's because I live for seeing my name spelled wrong by autocorrects everywhere. And I guess if you need to hear... More of my voice about those sweet, sweet farming games. Uh, I do a podcast now with Al called The Harvest Season. It's about farming games. You can find us on Twitter at THSPod. We don't got a cool name like PKM and Cast. Uh, <laughs> you can search us on your favorite podcatcher. You can visit our website at harvestseason.club dot club dot club club. we're a club (laughs) cool uh you can follow the podcast on twitter at pokemon podcast you can find us in your favorite podcast app i don't know how you got here but if you made it to the end of the episode you can find the show on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcast or wherever you find podcasts you can follow me on twitter at dragging a lake otherwise thank you all for listening this has been another episode of the pokemon podcast and we are Super Lenora. The answer is Lenora. Oh, okay. She's the best yeah. Gen 5 gym leader. Effective. <laughs> Super Electros. Oh, man. Poor electric. No one remembers electric. Like every podcast on the internet, we are funded by Patreon. This is a shout out to all the supporters at the producer tier on Patreon. A huge thank you to Alex, Anthony, Catherine, Matthew, Jeffrey, Kevin, and Cygnus. 
If you would like to join our community and support the podcast, you can head over to isc.cash for more information.